0: Welcome to the Every Nation New Jersey podcast. Every Nation is a Bible-believing, multi-ethnic, non-denominational church hoping to transform the world one life at a time. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Hey, good morning, Every Nation New Jersey. God bless you. PA here, Pastor Adam Burt, and I'm so excited you would spend your Sunday morning here with us at Every Nation New Jersey. and. We're continuing our series this morning. We've just called a beautiful mess, and, and it's a journey through the book of First Corinthians. And if you know the Corinthian church, you know it is indeed a beautiful mess. And so, uh, be, before we do that, uh, I, I want to share the the title of today's message. I'm I'm calling today's message uh, one tool, one tool. And and I hope maybe this uh, this uh, little uh, story will help kind of clarify why I've called it that. And so uh, several years ago, my, my youngest daughter is going off to Houston, Texas to, to uh, go to school there. And so uh, dad's going to drive her down to Houston with all her stuff. And and so uh, we made the trip down to Houston 26 hours straight. And I don't know if you've ever been there. We had to like drive through the night and you're just doing everything to stay alive like, I don't know how many five-hour energy drinks and cups of coffee, and, and then it just leaves this nasty taste in your mouth. And, and then I remember, you're just like listening to music, trying to sing, do anything to keep from doing those terrorizing, right? You fall asleep. But, but me and my girl, man, we got down to Houston, and, and we immediately found her an apartment. And uh, then we had to get some furniture for her apartment. And so I remember we went to Ikea. I had never been to Ikea. I've never been to this place. It's like, man, you can get lost in it, number one. And, but they had all these just beautiful man, places for your uh, uh, array of kitchen uh, utensils and items. They have furniture and bedrooms. And, and so we picked out a bunch of stuff. And the reason why I liked it is not only because the stuff was nice, it was cheap and all the parents said amen. And so so uh, I, I was able to pick out two uh, rooms of furniture and, and we bought that thing. And so it, it, was, it was only a few pieces of, of furniture, but when they delivered it, there were 8,000 boxes. Uh, what I didn't know about IKEA is nothing and literally nothing comes assembled. And so uh, we got eight, like you have to put together drawers and all this stuff. And, and what IKEA does is to assemble all this stuff, they give you one tool, <laughs> one tool, an Allen wrench. And I remember, my, my wife's ADHD, so she likes putting stuff together like that. I am getting frustrated, angry, and I may or may not have cussed a few times, okay? <laughs> Don't judge me. And so, but, but here's what I know, with this one tool, eventually, I was able to assemble and make something beautiful and get it done. And that's the story uh, of the Corinthian church, is is Paul is gonna give them one tool to untangle the knots uh, of confusion that this church is going through. And so a little background about Corinth. So so Corinth was a very prosperous city. Uh, It was actually a port city. It actually sat between two ports. Um, and so if you can imagine, like even the United States, uh, the East Coast and the West Coast, and, and how there's some really good things that happen on the coasts, aren't there? Like you get arts and entertainment, you get commerce and business, but can we agree that there's also some really dark things that happen on the coast? And, and so you can imagine that there was five miles that separated these two coasts uh, that, that made up Corinth. And so this hodgepodge of cultures and ethnicities and and whatnot, it it really brought forth uh, a lot of confusion. And and here's what I'll say, like if you break down the the etymology of the word confusion, con is with or together, and and the the word for fusion there is actually a a word that that means to pour. And so when you pour together all these different ways of thinking and and different people groups that that at times it can get confusing, and the, the Corinthian church uh, was growing confused. Like uh, like Corinth, they were sexually confused. Uh, the city of Corinth actually housed uh, the temple of Aphrodite, the goddess of love, and uh, in that temple, uh, there were a thousand temple prostitutes. So you can imagine the, the confusion, the perversion uh, that was in the city of Corinth, that, that actually sexual perversion, uh, they gave it a word, and it just meant, in the first century, it meant to Corinthianize. It was a junk drawer word for any kind of sexual confusion. And and, and Corinth was religiously confused. I mean, there was every god under the sun uh, had a temple uh, in Corinth. And so they worshipped Apollo, Aphrodite, Poseidon, uh, Athena, uh, so on and so forth. And and if one god didn't work, you could jump to the next or maybe put them all together. And so there is this this, uh, religious confusion and some of that confusion, sexual confusion, religious confusion, was beginning to seep in to the church. But Paul had an answer. He was going to use one tool, the tool of the gospel, to help untangle the knots uh, in the heart uh, of the Corinthian church. And so um, our text today, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians. I'm going to read verses 1 through 9, comment a little bit, uh, and then we'll go from there. And so if you got your Bible, let's go 1 Corinthians Chapter one. We'll read verses one through nine. It says this: Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, and our brother Sosthenes. And so I need to stop right there. So Paul was dictating this letter to the, uh, through this guy Sosthenes, who was his scribe and writing it out. Uh, but if you recall, and if you were with us last week, you'll know this: that in Acts chapter eighteen, the birth of the Corinthian church, Sosthenes. Was actually the ruler uh, of the synagogue that hated Paul and the message of the gospel. In fact, Sosthenes uh, and the Jews took Paul to court. Was trying to get him thrown uh, thrown out, thrown away, put in jail. And instead, uh, the the actually the, the judge threw out Sosthenes, and Sosthenes was was beaten uh, by by his fellow Jews. So somewhere along the line. Man, Sosanis, the gospel of Jesus Christ got a hold of his heart. Jesus got him, and then he began to do ministry with Paul. How amazing is that? Back to our text. Verse 2, it says, To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, together with all those who are in every place, call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech, in all knowledge. And so I just need to pause there just for a second because, you know, the gospel, it has been designed to enrich your life in every single way. Like it's not just we get heaven, but, but man, you get God. You get Jesus, you get peace, you get prosperity, you get uh, eternal life—all these different things designed to uh, enrich our life. It, it is the package deal of the gospel. Uh, it goes on, uh, verse six. He says, "Even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you." And, and so uh, I'll pause here, and I promise we're going to get to our, uh, we'll get through this passage here. But Paul says this. He says that the testimony of the gospel, it was confirmed through you. And, and my question to us this morning is, is your life uh, confirming or confusing the gospel of Jesus Christ? Like when people look at your life, does it convert, confirm the testimony of Jesus or does it confuse people about Jesus? Like uh, I remember uh, early on uh, in my when I was uh, playing junior hockey before uh, going pro is, is is my coach, uh, who this man had the foulest mouth you've ever known, and yet he pulled me aside out of practice one day, and he said this. He says, he says, Adam, you sure swear a lot. And I'm thinking to myself, what? And uh, but I did. I had a bad mouth, and I was supposed to be the Jesus guy. And here's what I didn't know. Years later, my coach would receive Jesus Christ as a Savior and Lord. See, he was searching. And then to see my life not aligning with the testimony of Jesus Christ, it was confusing to him. And so, is your life confirming or confusing the gospel? Verse 7, it says this, So that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and so, um, uh, so I, I want to talk about this today, and, and I'm about to, bl- break a blood oath that I made with myself the moment I became a pastor. I swore I would never, uh, do those cheesy acrostics, uh, acronyms that, uh, that cr- Christians do at times, right? But you're getting an acronym today because I, I believe this, this acrostic will be helpful. And so this morning, uh, we're going to talk about uh, the one tool. That is the gospel. And and I have uh, the the gospel uh, done in an acronym for you because I think it's helpful. And G, uh, it stands for God. O, for occupy. S, for sin. P is for purchased. E is for empowered. And L is for live for Jesus. And so let's let's break this down real quick. So number one, the acrostic begins uh, for gospel. The one tool begins with G. It begins with God. Like the gospel begins with God. And here's what I need you to know this morning. Do you know that all the other, uh, the pagan creation narratives, they all begin uh, through violence and war. The gods at war battling one another. And and through the carnage and the aftermath of war, it's like earth and humanity were created. It, It was like, it was an afterthought, a cosmic accident, if you will. And so, so mankind uh, was going to be at, at best a slave to the gods, and, and uh, at worst, it was going to be the humanity was something that to be destroyed by the gods. But I got news for you that's not our story, and that's not our God. Like, our God is a tri unity, a trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit, in perfect love, peace, uh, and harmony. In fact, theologians, they they have a name for this Trinitarian love. They call it perichoresis. It means to celebrate or to dance around. The Father celebrating the Son, who's celebrating the Spirit. And they they move in this perichoresis. And out of the overflow of that peace and love, God creates. See, it's not because of war, but it's out of peace and love that our God creates everything there is. And if you pay attention to the creation of God, you'll know this, that there's a beauty woven in to the creation. I mean, there just is. If, if you, uh, I believe we have an image. Like, have you ever seen the rolling hills in springtime? And, and just the array uh, and the powerful um, colors that through all these blossoming flowers, thousands of different shapes and shades. And, and it's all because of the beauty of God. Or or how about now as we're approaching the fall, autumn, like if there's a more beautiful time than than the fall in the Northeast, I've I've never seen it, this kaleidoscope of colors of browns and orange, and and so we we see the beauty in creation. Or how about the oceans, like like the blue-green of the Caribbean, or as you look out over the seas, and you you can't even tell at the horizon where, where the oceans end and the sky begins, or or have you ever seen just uh, uh, just our skies at night? When you, when you get the perfect timing at sunset, and, and you get the hues of the orange and the purples and the pinks uh, of, of uh, the, the sunset, all of that is nothing but a gift. It's the beauty of God woven in to our creation, and it reveals the beauty and the goodness of God, our Creator. And so we see in the scriptures that everything God creates, it's good, it's good, it's good, until he gets to humanity, and God says, this is very good, very good. And then God does something that blows our mind. He says this, he invites us into the dance with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, fellowship with Almighty God. And and get this, then God, he places us in a garden And that garden is called Eden. Eden, it it means delight. And and now we're ready to go on to the next letter of the gospel. And that's O. O, it it stands for occupy. That, That God places Adam and Eve in the garden. And he says this. He says, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. In our New Testament, Jesus will say it a bit different. Go into all the world and make disciples. And so you see that humanity, we have this mission, this purpose, a sense of meaning from Almighty God to be fruitful and multiply, to fill the earth. Um, he's given us the mission to Edenize the rest of the world, make the rest of creation look like Eden. And as God's image bearers, he's given us the ability uh, to do that. Um, I, don't, I don't know if you, you realize, but but prior to to the fall or sin entering into the creation, that that work was not toil, that that work was actually worship. Um, In fact, in your Old Testament, the the word uh, for for work is the word avodah, and it's the exact same word they use for worship. It's used 289 times in your Old Testament that work was worship. And and when we work, when work is done well uh, in the earth, uh, isn't there something soul stirring and spiritual about it? Like my daughter, who let me just tell you, my daughter Cassie, I'm going to out her right now. She has no green thumb, okay? But, but this year, uh, she had some seeds and she planted them in, and, and, and she had this, for whatever reason, man, the, these, these plants begin to take root and she began, she cared for them, she watered them. She makes sure there, and, and you could see this this ownership and this sense of pride that now it, it grew into these beautiful flowers. And every time she walks by it, like it elicits a smile. It, it does something in, in her soul that uh, I'll share with you. Even this past week, like our, our, our washer broke. I am not the fix-it guy, but I, I YouTube that thing and and listen. Something that should have taken 45 minutes took me literally six hours. But I, I fixed that thing. And, you know, now when I go downstairs and I see that washer, it, it elicits something soul-stirring. Like, I look at that and I say, it's good. It's good. And you know why? Like, because you and I have been created in the image of God. That God, each and every day when he created, he says, it's good. God would work and he would create and then he would step back. It's good. It's good. He does that six times uh, uh, in the creation story. There's only one day that doesn't get a, a, a good Do you know what day that is? Uh, For the record, it was Monday. And when your alarm goes off uh, at 6 a.m. on Monday because you have to go to work, uh, you'll realize that Monday is not good, okay? (laughs) But uh, now let's go on uh, to the next letter. The next letter is S. And S stands for sin. That that sin is introduced in Genesis chapter 3. And it it fractures and messes up everything. And, And sin, at its core is really just this. It's rebellion. It's rebellion against God. Like, uh, uh, I, I could just to prove to you that that we're born with sinful natures. I, I can remember being a little kid. Uh, I was probably seven years old. My, my mom and my grandmother uh, took me uh, to, to, to the mall. And this is back in the day where you just let your kid Run back in the mall and you hope to find them at some point. <laughs> and so uh, I remember I'm there by myself. And if you can imagine a packed mall during the holiday seasons and, and, and the escalator is just filled with people. But I notice at the bottom of that escalator is a bright red button and it says emergency. Do not push. Everything within inside me said, you must press that button. You must mash that button, look around, hit the button. Man, alarms go off. The, the, the escalator stops. People are screaming and all that stuff. So uh, uh, rest assured, uh, I got a beating that day from my mom, from my grandma, from my dad. Like that was back in the day where everybody could beat you, all right? And uh, it was okay. And, but, but there's something, it says, I knew it said, do not touch. But something inside me rebellious sin nature said, I'm gonna press that thing. And you know, God tells Adam and Eve, uh, I give it all to you. Do not eat though from the, the forbidden fruit. And, and so what do they do? Uh, they, they, they eat of the forbidden fruit. They rebel against God. They believe the lie of the serpent. And here's what happened. Sin, it separates us from God. Like Adam and Eve are thrust out of Eden, out of the delightful place and here's what I know, theologians, they, they, they call this, that, that we have a God-sized hole in all of our hearts. Ecclesiastes would say it this way, that we are born uh, with eternity in our hearts, that only God can fill, and now being separated from God. Uh, if I can, uh, uh, just to say it this way, you know, today uh, marks the, uh, the 21st anniversary of, of the attacks of 9-11, and, and I, can, I can remember going to Ground Zero. And, and this is just recently after the attacks. And, and I just looked and there was just this massive crater in the earth. And there was this hush. And, and, and inside there was this faint remember remembrance of what used to be. And do you know at the deepest level, I believe the human heart, it, it senses and it remembers how things used to be. Like at the soul level, we know that we've been, we've been created to walk with and be in fellowship with Almighty God. We remember what it was like to be in the dance, to be in Eden, the delightful spot with God. But sin, it it disintegrates. It not only uh, separates us from God, it it disintegrates. Um, Do you know that you and I, we've been designed by God uh, to be a, a whole being, to be an integrated person, body, soul, and spirit. And yet sin, what it begins to tear apart at that integration. And now we have the, the mind warring against the, the spirit and, and the body warring against the mind and there's this pulling away. In fact, I th- I don't think you can argue with today is is man we, we have our feelings uh, our our are pulling against and warring against our body, and so you get things like gender dysphoria, bulimia, anorexia nervosa, right? Our feelings are are not in align with our body, and, and then you get what you get um, as well. There's at times where where our our lusts will pull us away from what's good and right for our our bodies or our flesh, right? So, so lust will lead us into pornography that's that's pulling away and disintegrating family or or addiction uh, begins to harm our very own physical bodies and we so sin disintegrates and then uh, lastly sin not only affects humanity but the creation. It's the disintegration uh, of the creation. The book of Romans will say it this way it'll say that that the creation it groans. In other words, sin is pressing the creation. And now every every bit of disease, uh, disaster, division—it's it's the result of sin pressing upon creation or or, or decay. Any of my, my gray heads with me? Like like uh, do you know you know your body's in in a, it's it's decaying, some faster than others. Uh, how many have ever been hurt in, in their sleep? I wake up in the morning I'm like what did I do? I don't I slept and that is what you, you came from dust and to dust you're returning. It's all because of sin, because death was not in God's original design. Um, And then we get uh, we we get G O S, and now we're to P in our gospel acronym, and it stands for purchased. Like like we got to get to the good news, man. The word gospel it means good news, and the greatest news in the world is this: Jesus purchases us back to Himself. Like um, uh, I've heard it asked this question quite often is this. Hey, why can't God just forgive sins? And, and I always like to clarify, hey, God does forgive sins, but he can't just forgive sins. See, if God just forgives sins, it's like, oh, go ahead. Uh, you're forgiven. Then that means like sin is not that awful and God's not that holy. Uh, if you ever have been to like third world countries where where just sin like authorities, they're, they're not quote unquote holy and they just allow sin to just take place what happens you get you get anarchy and you get chaos and so we want Our God to be holy and so sin must be atoned for or paid for and so here's the great news Jesus pays the price for your sin and for mine So I I mentioned last week that um, uh, I'm not much of a play guy, but my wife's favorite uh, musical is the the play Les Mis, and uh, if if you remember uh, in, in the st- the story Les Mis, that the Jean Valjean, the, the the main character, early on in life, through a series of unfortunate circumstances, like, like he gets thrown in jail, he suffers, and and then his heart begins to harden, he becomes bitter, and and as he's living on the streets, he's he's having to steal, and as he finds shelter one night um, um, at at the the uh, at at a cathedral with the bishop, and as he he goes in, this bishop is kind to him and shows him hospitality, but in Jean Valjean, in his hardened heart, he, in the middle of the night, he gets up, he steals a bunch of silver and leaves. The authorities later bust him. They bring him back before the bishop, and they say, Bishop, we're arresting this man, Jean Valjean, uh, but he said that you gave him this silverware. Is that true? And the bishop, get this, With grace and mercy. He says, Jean Valjean, you left so suddenly. He says, you forgot the silver candlesticks I gave you as well. And Jean Valjean just stunned at the grace and the mercy from this bishop. uh, He goes on, and I'd like to read a quote from it. The bishop says this. He tells Jean Valjean, he says, now don't forget. Don't ever forget. You've promised to become a new man. Jean Valjean says, promise he says, why are you doing this? And then here's the money line. The bishop says, Jean Valjean, my brother, you no longer belong to evil. With this silver, I have bought your soul. I've ransomed you from fear and hatred. And now I give you back to God. Like, did you catch that? Like he says, I've purchased you. I've ransomed you and I give you back to God. Yeah, throughout your Old Testament you can see there's just all these sacrifices, blood sacrifices, to, to pay for sin. But do you know the reality is it didn't actually pay for sin? It was actually kind of like if you ever like just paid the, the minimum amount on your credit card bill. It doesn't cancel your debt. It just buys you a little time. And that's the Old Testament sacrifices until the ultimate sacrifice. Jesus Christ would atone, pay for our sins, past, present, and future Uh, On the cross, you remember Jesus' last words as he hung on the cross, he says, it is finished. It's the word tete leste in Greek. Um, Do you know in the first century when when you paid off a debt, they would write on it, tete leste, paid in full. You've been fully purchased, bought back to Almighty God. And then we, we get to E in our gospel message. E, that stands for empowered by the Holy Spirit. Like you have become the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, get this, is at work in you. Uh, The the, uh, prophet Ezekiel would say it this way, that God is going to replace your heart of stone and give you a soft heart of flesh. God changes your heart through the Holy Spirit. In fact, I'm always fascinated by the testimony of Josh McDowell. You'll know him as the great apologist. He wrote the book, Evidence That Demands a Verdict. And it's fascinating when you hear his testimony. It wasn't some intellectual reason that he came to God. And, um, and if you know his story, his, his dad was the town drunk. And he, be, he would become a violent drunk. And, and, and Josh McDowell's father would, would beat his mother. Uh, one, one evening he came home and he found his poor mom face down in a pile of horse maneuver that her, his father had beaten her. And he determined that night, he says, I'm going to go to college. And when I come back, I'm going to kill my father. And so he goes off to college, but something happened that he didn't expect. He would meet Jesus Christ. God would save him. And and his heart would begin to soften. Uh, he, he had to come back because his dad was having physical ailments because of his alcoholism. And he sees his dad in the, father, uh, in the hospital. And as he walks in, uh, he sees his father. And He tells him, he says, Dad, I want you to know I love you. His father is taken back, and he says, how can you love me? And McDowell's like, I don't know, I just do. He says, I've become a Christian, and Jesus has changed my heart. And his dad replied, if Jesus can do that for you, then I would like to know Jesus and have him change me. And the town drunk became the town evangelist. It's the power of the Holy Spirit working on the inside of you, He works in you, but He also works through you. You've been empowered to live the Christian life, and Jesus wants to work through you. Like um, um, in Acts chapter one, verse eight, Jesus, before He ascends to heaven, He says, "This you will receive power uh, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you." It's that word power is the word dunamis. It's worth we get the word dynamic. Dynamic it, it means power in motion. And we see through the Holy Spirit, these ordinary disciples become extraordinary men because of the Holy Spirit working through their life. They become this dynamic force, so much so that in Acts chapter 17, we read this. It says, these men that are turning the world upside down, but I would submit to you this. They weren't turning it upside down, but they were turning it right side up. They were Edenizing the world, and through the Holy Spirit, That's your calling and my calling. And then our last letter is the letter L uh, for live. That now, and we're empowered through the Holy Spirit, and now we live our life with Jesus and for Jesus. Like, Like we get to enjoy fellowship with Almighty God. Jesus walks with us. He now says, I'll never leave you, never forsake you. And here's what's such great news is that, That you and I, we become the hands and feet of Jesus. In fact, Jesus, when he came into the world as a man, he says, "I am the light of the world." But then, when he leaves, he says, "Now you, you are the light of the world." And now we we are equipped to bear the image of Jesus uh, in the earth. And so, here's here's the greatest news, and this will be the cherry on top of the gospel message: uh, is this, is that you know that one day. Jesus is coming back, and he's going to restore everything and make all things new again. Uh, like, like some of you have a wrong idea of the end of time, that it's going to be like Star Wars, man, where, where Luke Skywalker comes in and destroys the Death Star, and like God's going to destroy the earth. That's not what he's going to do, man. The promise is not that he's going to destroy the earth, that, that he's going to make it new again. It's less like Star Wars and more like Moana. <laughs> have you seen Moana? Man, do you, do you remember the story? Is is man that 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 tefiti, there, There's there's this di- diseased um, uh, that the islands and all of life is beginning to die and wither, and they don't know why. And then that they, they find out that the creation there's this Takah, this this uh, evil evil uh, like uh, possessed uh, ore of fire and whatnot. And so as it's like rawr, the creation has turned sour. Remember we said the creation groans. But, but finally, at the end of the story, we see Moana has the heart uh, of Tafiki, And she raises it up, and this creature roar, comes roaring after her. But she realizes, I, I know who you are. And, and she restores the heart of Tafiti back, and suddenly the creation, satisfied, uh, because it's got its heart back, it, it becomes new again. And that's our story, that the promises. That Jesus is going to come back and restore his beautiful creation. He's going to wipe every tear from our eye. That every sad thing is going to become untrue. And that's the reason why the gospel message is the greatest message on the planet. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning just for the privilege of gathering together in your name. And Lord, I pray that you take this this simple acrostic, Lord. Let let us remember it. The gospel. It's the one thing that will help us Uh, change everything. G is for God. O is for occupied. You have a mission and a purpose. S is for sin. But Jesus, P, was purchased uh, your sins. That that E, uh, you've been empowered by the Holy Spirit. And L, now we're called to live our life for Jesus and with Jesus. Lord, give us the grace and the strength to do it, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen listen, Every Nation, uh, uh, the sermon's over with, but we're not quite finished. I would love to remind you that you can still be faithful in your tithing and your giving. Uh, We're so grateful for those of you that are partnering with with us here at Every Nation New Jersey. Uh, We believe in the tithe. The tithe simply means a tenth of everything we receive. We give back to God in and through the tithe. And there's there's three ways you can give uh, online. Number one, you can go to our website, encnj.org, and just hit the giving icon. Or you can give via text. If you just text the letters E-N-C-N-J to the number 77977, it's a very convenient way to give. Or uh, lastly, you can mail in your check or your money order right here to our church offices at 101 Gibraltar Drive, right here in Morris Plains, New Jersey. And may God richly bless you as you give. Every nation, Jesus loves you, and I think you're pretty amazing too. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to the Every Nation New Jersey podcast. For more information on our church, or if you'd like to give a financial gift, just go to our website, emcnj.org.